for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. Well, it's like time of the year again, right? So a lot of kids are getting grade cards and progress reports. Most of us are trying to figure out where life goes from here, what we're doing, what's going to be different. So for some of us, it's time for you know, employee evaluations and all that sort of thing, and, and annual reports are due, and all sorts of stuff. It's going to get a fix on where things have been and where things ought to go and all of that. And I found when I was a student, I used to love progress report time because I was a pretty good student, and I wanted to see how well I had done previously to the last, and I realized that's not some of your story, you know? But I also realized that, like, I, I really looked forward. I was a football player, and I looked forward to Friday night. You know why? Because it would let me know if I had came up a little bit. If our team had learned to work a little bit better as a team, we'd get a weekly progress report of how we were doing and if we were growing or not. I found something else out as a leader, though. I found that, that neither myself nor those who are under my care uh, look forward to nor enjoy the process of evaluation. Amen, hallelujah. Am I right? And, and, and it's hard to, 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 get, to get around that. Um, but we, but I, I know, right now, all of us are evaluating or are being evaluated. So we already sat there and went, that wasn't the best worship set we ever had. You've already made an evaluation. You've already made an evaluation that we missed a blip right in the middle of service that normally goes pretty smoothly. You're, you're, we're constantly evaluating the performance of our favorite athletes, and they should have known better, and that coach should have done that. And we, 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 we casually and regularly dish out evaluation of other people, but we hate it when it's turned back on us. Am I right? You're constantly evaluating your government and your whatever and all that stuff about how they're doing and what job they're doing. You're constantly evaluating the service you get at a restaurant or at a store. You're constantly getting, you're constantly doing that, but you hate it when it's turned on you, right? You already determined there's like this one restaurant you went to this week, you're never going back. Done with that. I was in a restaurant one time. This, this honestly happened. I want never forget this. this, this we're, in a, we're in a restaurant one day, I think after church on a Sunday, honestly. This made me feel really good, too. With some bro- Christian brothers and sisters, and it took a while to get our food. And when the food showed up, one person at our table came over and was very uptight about how their food was prepared. And then the manager was called out. And when, when the manager came over, they grabbed their plate, had their baked potato in their hand, and went like this. And it got really tense really fast at the table. And they had made an evaluation about the lack of service they were receiving and made everybody know they were unhappy because this potato's cold and I want my meal free. That was fun. I just wanted to kind of crawl out of the room, honestly, kind of like, well, this is not pleasant. But we're doing that all the time. We're not nearly that vocal. And it's good for us to self-evaluate. It's good for us to get a, get a gauge on where we are and what we're doing. And, 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 and all of us, if we're really honest, we, 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 we want to know certain things. 
many of us think of, about thriving when we talk, think about progress. How, how well am I doing? I want to know how well I'm doing. Other of us, we get scared to death we, because we fear rejection and we fear failure. And it's just better not to know. Don't really want to know what my spouse thinks about how I'm spousing them. Be good not to know that. I just, I just keep doing like, do, 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 just keep doing what I've been doing. <laughs> I act like everything's cool. And, and our heart, we know it's not cool. When our kids shine a mirror in our face and they let us know that we're not maybe parenting very well, we just freaking kind of keep going in the same direction. Okay, what are you doing? And so we, we, we as followers of Christ have to allow the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, the person of Jesus to let us know where we are and what we're doing. We, we've got to be in that spot because I think all of us want to know, does, does what I do matter? Is it significant? Is it making a difference? Are we making progress? Are we developing as a follower of Christ, as a minister of the gospel, as whatever else God speaks to us about in regard to our, our following of him? Or am, I, am, I, am I doing what I need? Am I being effective in accomplishing the, the task, the mission, whatever? See, when we're getting into those things, it's helpful for us to, to, to look back and, and think about things like this. Why do we do what we do? Because the why is more important than anything else, at least according to the Bible. God looks on the heart more than the outward stuff. The Bible tells us, so why, why would I do something? Why would I go to a small group? Why would I give an offering? Why would I serve in a ministry? Why would I sing a song? Why would I serve in a, in a leadership capacity? Why? What's, why? What is the why? And what am I supposed to do once I start down that journey? What's appropriate? What does God's word say about what I'm doing? What are the parameters he sets? How am I supposed to legislate this? And see, today we're going to look back at, the, at a new time and a new era when, when, when something new God was doing burst out. And we're going to look back and look at why they did what they did. We're going to look at what they did so we can know if we're being faithful to what we're supposed to be doing. Today, you're going to hear this phrase over and over and over again. Loving God, loving others, creating circles where lives change. That's not a thing, that's the thing of the scripture. Loving God, loving others, creating circles where lives change. I hope you don't come to church on Sunday or show up to your small group just to punch your time card. I hope you show up on purpose with the intention of becoming more like Christ and helping others become more like Christ because that's why we're here. We're not here to just, just, just to go through some kind of ritual. We're not here to go through some kind of rote thing. We are here that we might become more like Christ and we give other people the chance to know him and grow in him. That's why we are here. Loving God, loving others, creating circles where lives change. Nothing else is more important, at least not in my estimation. So if you would, stand up with me. We're going to look at Acts 2.42. We're going to read down through Acts 2.47 together. We're going to reverence God's word. We're all going to hear it loudly. They tell me this. The, 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 the more uh, uh, senses you engage in the, the learning process, the more likely you are to retain. So you're not just going to hear the word. You're going to speak the word. You'll see the word. We'll go on down the road together. How's that sound? So on a count of one, two, three, we'll start reading together. How's that sound? One. New Living Translation, so don't get lost, all right? One, two, three. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, 
And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Amen. Lord, God, add the blessing to his word. You can be seated. Some of you can't believe those words are coming out of your mouth. And that's not something we do normally, but I just thought I'd mix it up a little bit. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's good for us to engage actively in what we're doing. I know at this point it's almost 11 o'clock. Some of you already evaluate how long Aaron's going to go. And it's good to keep you active and engaged, right? We're going to engage at the end of service as well. So, okay, listen to this. This, this, this is what we read here is the birthing of the church. This is Acts chapter 2. Jesus has, has died, been buried, resurrected, walked around for 40 days, told his guys to go pray for 10 days. This has been a 10-day period. They, they spent pray, doing nothing really but praying together in the upper room. God pours out his spirit. Crazy things happen. 3,000 people come to faith in Christ in one day. And then this is the aftermath we're reading right now. And so there's something going on here. This is not a church in abstract. There is evidence here that God is up to something. In this piece of scripture, there is evidential things going on that make people perk up and pay attention. They are committed to certain things and they are doing something beyond ordinary. I got this t-shirt in the mail this week. It said uncommon. Uncommon fellowship is what it says. On it. I almost wore it today, but I don't know how effective that is to put something in your mind. And I'm not sure the, t- the, the color is my color anyway. But there's going to be something uncommon. The reason this was, was, was gaining attention and gaining traction is because it was outside what's normal. It was outside what everybody else was doing. And there was something going on that everybody could like, wow, what is, what is happening over here? It was a church in motion. They weren't just theoretical, philosophical, ceremonial people. These people were, were engaged in something that was changing their lives radically. And it had began to change the environment and the climate of the people around them in the city that they were in. And then all of a sudden, not just were they going on, there was a movement afoot that was revolutionizing the entire region of the world. And this, this thing develops, the very first words we read are about devotion. This thing developed in devotion, commitment, consecration, covenant. They weren't sloshing off on things. They were devoted to certain very specific ideas and thoughts, four different arenas of life if you read those passages of Scripture. And so we, I would say this for me, I can't speak for you, I think I can speak for most of the leadership team right here, we want to replicate this. We want to alter things. We want it to be evident that God is among us. We want something to happen that makes people go, hmm, what in the world's going on? Those people are different. There's something happening with them. We want that. We want to be in a time and an era where, 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 where the only answer is God is doing something. There are people who live live outside of what we, we want to be about loving God, loving others, and creating circles where their lives change. That's, that's the whole course of what's happening here. 
They are devoted to him. They're devoted to one another, and they're creating space where God's activity can go, go, go wild, go crazy around them. They, here's something you know. They learned in community. Now, here's what happens. The very first source of devotion we find is they are devoted to, there's a phrase right after there, the apostles' teaching, it says there. Some translations use the word doctrine. They were committed to a certain thing. Here's what we know. They knew the message God wanted conveyed. There was something very solid about that. It wasn't ethereal. It was very substantial. The Bible would tell us in Matthew 3 that Jesus went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom everywhere. And it involved a word we don't like to talk about very often. It involves this word called repentance. Repent, he would say, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's near. He would call people to a greater devotion than they had walked in. That's what Jesus did. And he looks at these same guys who are leading this thing at the beginning, and he looks at them on Matthew 28. He goes, everything I've taught you, teach other people. Make them disciples. Help them to, 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 be, to find this devotional element, this, this, this committed thing to this idea, to this message, that, that you are not enough by yourself, you will always fail. But there's one who never failed, who calls you to turn away from where you're going towards something else, and he gives you expanse into a place called the kingdom of God. Dude, that's awesome. So you think a covenant's a scary thing, but I found this. Most people who are scary about covenant are probably worried about there's something in their life that doesn't quite measure up, and they're not sure they want to deal with that. Can I say something to you? Look around this room right now. How many of y'all have had a perfect week? I want to see hands in the air. How many of y'all you, you got everything just right? Now see what I'm about to tell you. Covenant's not about getting it all right. It's about helping each other grow to become more like Christ. And so there's a certain thing that tells us what it looks like to be like Christ. There's a certain thing that we know. The methods may change, but the message does not change. And we've got to be absolutely clear on what we're all shooting for. They knew something else. There's a word there. The apostles' teaching. They knew who was responsible for leadership among them. And they acknowledged that these certain guys were responsible for making sure certain things got done. These apostles were charged by Jesus himself to make sure all this teaching got conveyed to the disciples who would, be, who would be being made. They knew the what, they knew the who. Now, if a church triangle, we've endeavored to do the same thing over the last months. We, we've endeavored in the recent past to be more clear about our doctrinal statement. We haven't redefined it, we've refined it. Made it more clear. Haven't taken anything out. It's made it more obvious what's really absolutely essential, what makes us us, and how we go. We put together a, a, message, a, a statement about marriage on purpose. Why? Because our culture is getting it wrong all the time. And the people of God have to stand out in regard to that. Because God has already set certain things in order. We have sought to, 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 to do that in the form of covenant, that we all know what we're, what we're responsible for as followers of Christ. And we look at one and say, I'm devoted to this, I'm devoted to God, and I'm devoted to you as my brother and sister. The book of Proverbs says these, how can two people walk together except that they agree? And we put something in writing on purpose and go, listen, this is what we agree upon. And this is where we're going to walk. This is how we're going to legislate life. This is how we're going to do ministry together. And, and we need to stay on that. And now, more recently, we've, we, we, we've re-looked at what we, what we do, how we do. Newly, our bylaws and our governing structure. Trying to make it more, line up with this plumb line, we call the Word of God. 
Using the same terminology, exercising the same kind of qualifications, looking at the thing going, dude, this is what the Bible says about it. Maybe we should line up with it. Not what's popular, not what's business-like, not what's this. What does the Bible say about what's appropriate? And that's why we choose and move forward, so we can be clear what we're about and who's responsible. Are you with me on that? Now, once you're clear on on this first facet, there are three other facets that take shape. They take shape only after clarity on the first one. And they all three of them develop in devotion, or what we call covenant around church. They developed, they were devoted to four different things. First one was apostles teaching, doctrine. What are we supposed to be about? The third things are more action-oriented. Okay? It would say here they fellowshiped together. They involved themselves in certain kinds of worship, including the Lord's Supper. And they prayed. Is that right? That's what they were devoted to. So here's the thing. They worshiped in community. What we believe about worship is this. It's not the part of the service that has music in it. We call it the worship part of the service, but worship, true worship, is just the, the, that half hour, 40 minutes, is just a piece of the puzzle. Because we believe something over here that worship is a lifestyle. It's something that should ravage our entire lives. That daily we wake up and go, Jesus, how can I honor you today? How can my life be of most glory to your name? How, how can my life benefit someone else today? And I lay my life down. And they did this on purpose in community. They encouraged one another. Uh, Phil just read Bruce 10, that we are provoke one another to love and good works. And something you don't know, I'm reading another message. I, I was just working on that piece of scripture, that very passage yesterday afternoon. Because God's saying something. Because God's up to something. And he wants us to worship together in community, creating a lifestyle, continuing that we are committed to Christ, we are committed to one another, and it exemplifies in how we conduct not just a, not just a two-hour segment of time on Sunday morning and an hour or an hour and a half some other day during the week we meet in a small group, that we are continually growing to be like Christ. We're checking in on each other, and we're encouraging one another and account- being accountable with one another to make sure we are glorifying Jesus the way he wants to be glorified. Even in our weakness... Even our frailty, probably most of all, you know, when God gets the most glory I've found over life, when life's not easy. When Christians suffer well, it speaks more to lost people than when we're getting it right all the time. It's just true. It's just true. The whole of church history tells us that. The church explodes when it's under great persecution. It gets fat and sassy and lazy when everything's easy for it and forgets what its mission's supposed to be about. But when things get hard, we, the grace of Jesus supersedes everything else, and there's no explanation that God's among a group of people who don't have things going well with them, but they are absolutely committed, and he's showing himself, himself strong on their behalf. Hmm. They, uni- they were unified through and in this community. They, 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 we would say this, love is expressed, not just addressed. They, they were together on the, the same page. They served one another. They served the greater mission, the greater community together. They, they, they found a way to, to be unified about this thing they were doing. They fellowshiped together. They met in the temple together. They, they, they met house to house together. They did all kinds. They prayed together. They were in this thing. And then they, they, they compelled others by their community. This brought transformation and multiplication. 
They, 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 were, they were locked in, and suddenly other people were coming into the kingdom. And those who were already in the kingdom were growing uh, by, by, by vast amounts. They were holding nothing back. Their devotion was impeccable. They're like, either Jesus is the way or he isn't. I'm hedging on my bets. He is. I'm not holding anything back. And what happens is things begin to multiply. I said this last week at a book of Nehemiah. Ministry is ongoing. Reach is ever expanding. The need for new and growing leaders is ever growing. And the book of Acts tells us the same thing. Acts chapter 6, the very practical size of ministry needs to be handled. And the apostles say something you get mad at a pastor for saying. People were getting jacked up because, in their mind, widows weren't being tended to. And the apostles look at them and go, listen, we're not pulling away from prayer and the study of the word. And they were pretty much unapologetic about it. And they looked at it and he said, you pick from among you some other leaders who are faithful people. We'll pray together, and if God set them apart, we'll set them apart to go take care of that. Boy, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Because they recognized their real responsibility was to make sure the church kept going the right direction. And there was a great need for other people to step up and take care of things. And help with some real practical ideas and thoughts. Now, now, Acts 14, 23, it says this. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church. With prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Because it kept growing, it kept moving, and we needed more, and they needed more and more people who would step up to the plate, say, I'm, I'm in this, I'm all the way. And they, they wouldn't have a vote. They'd do a spend a time of prayer and fasting, and at several places it says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to set these people apart. Titus 1.5, Paul's writing to Titus about the, the job he's supposed to have. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I have directed you. 2 Timothy 1 and, 1 and 2. 2, 1 and 2. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Every commentary you read, Paul's talking to about the leadership of the church, the elders of the church in that passage of scripture. Timothy, you got to make sure there are other faithful people who can take this thing and run with it. You're going to be devoted to that. Some of you need to think about where you are and what you're doing and the level that you have both to Christ and to his church because we need more of you. Right now, every, every, every group we have is pretty much maxed out. When some of you want to get locked into a, to a financial discipleship thing, and you guess what? We're, 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 we're hard on space. I'm not going to tell anybody not to show up, but almost every group is hard on space. And some of you have been walking with Jesus for a long time, and you keep letting somebody else do stuff. <laughs> I love you too, Pastor. <laughs> but here's the deal. We got to be about loving God. We got to be about loving others. And we got to be about creating circles where lives change. That's, that is the whole of the New Testament church, man. That's everywhere, every place. You cannot get away from it. At Church, at church Triumphant, I'm going to show you a graphic up here on the screen that looks like four circles together. The yellow one is the worship facet. People come to faith in Christ, they begin to, to, to put their lives under, under his leadership, and their lives begin to change, and they gather together with the rest of the body of Christ. That, in turn, has to give way to the idea of spiritual community. Whereas life on life happens, discipleship begins to take place. We call these small groups at our church or team ministry. There's a place where people are, are encouraged to grow, encouraged to commit themselves to Christ. And out of that spiritual community, there ought to be a, a service element that comes out, both between us and one another and to the world at large around us. 
the service circle, which then in turn, because people are growing and giving themselves to Christ, people raise up to become more devoted followers of Jesus. And guess what happens? Their life has an effect on other lives. And so transformation happens in the life of the person who's growing, and then multiplication happens because their life has an effect on somebody else. That's how it's supposed to work. And that's what God wants from us, that we would love God, love others, and create circles where lives change. Some of you are sitting here and say, well, what's a big deal? I'm going to show you some, some other circles that would make this a big deal. Okay? Why we, why we need to be compelling like the, the book of Acts church was compelling. I found some statistics that have to do with the 2010 census of the United States of America. I chose counties that are represented by the people who, who attend church here. I want to show you some things. Green County. Yes, we do have people who drive from Green County to attend church here. Green County, the big light blue part, 64.5% of people living in Green County claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. About 31% of them claim some sort of Christian faith. And that's the whole gamut of what might be called Christian. Okay, that's the farthest distance somebody drives from church triumph to, to, to church triumphant. The next one, Jackson County. Take a peek at Jackson. Look at Jackson County. 71.5% of people in Jackson County claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. Bring it a little closer. Hawking County. 80.2% of people in Hawking County claim no religious affiliation. Pike County, same exact number. 80.2% in 2010 claim no religious connection whatsoever. No faith. Pickaway County. 79.2% with a Christian university inside the county. Ross County, good old home. Nearly three quarters of people in Ross County claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. 74.3%. So Aaron, why would you make this a big deal about all of this? bylaws, governing structure, covenant, something like that. Why would you do that? Because of those people right there. Because of them. We got to be clear so that they know what the gospel is. We got to be clear so we know what, what, what kind of a life exemplifies the character of Jesus. We got, we got to be sharp on top of it. If that doesn't irk you in some way, shape, or form, you know what's funny? We think the rural areas are the ones who got, got the most going on with Jesus. The most populous county has the most Christians per capita in it. The least populous have the worst. 80.2 in both Pike County and, and, and Hawking County have the worst amount of, of Christian faith proportionately in their county. I don't know if that scares you or not. Those are literally the 2010 census statistics. And you know, I break, in my mind, I break that a little bit more. Just because certain people are calling themselves Christians doesn't mean that they are. So why would I get kind of like intense about things like this? So we can stay on mission, man. We know what the gospel is. We know what God expects us in, in regard to our interaction with one another. So we can shine like a bright city on a hill 
Jesus would say it would be because of our love for one another that people would know we are, we are the people of God. And so we've got to know what it means. We call this thing a family on purpose. You know how most families start? Because two people get together and covenant together and say, I will do this, you, and, and, and I make these vows, I do this kind of thing, in front of God and everybody. Am I right? And then they hope to have offspring. I hope we'll get together and we'll make, we'll make, we'll make a commitment to Christ and to one another that we're going to have offspring. We're going to have a biblical, spiritual offspring. That one day in the future, maybe this thing completely turns around and 80.2% of Pike County has a faith in Christ. Would that not be awesome? It's up to us, ladies and gentlemen. For whatever reason, Jesus left this mission to us. And we, get, we can't abdicate it any longer. We can't, we, we, we can't pretend like it's, there's something else for us to do. So how, how do we move forward? We get back to what's really important. Matthew 28. Jesus uh, recites these words to his, to his guys. He's getting ready to leave to head to heaven. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. What's Jesus' promise? Jesus' promise is this. Get on my mission. I'm with you. Get about what I'm doing. I'm with you. I'll never leave. I'll never forsake you. I'll never, I'll never let it go. Don't get sideways. Don't forget what's really important. Teach them what I've taught you. In order for us to know what he taught, we've got to know what he taught, right? We've got to put it kind of down somewhere. Everybody can see it. Where Everybody knows what's going on. We, 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 we've got to think in this great commission. Is called, this is called the great commission in theological terms. The great commission is only fulfilled by the, by the fulfillment of, of three commandments. In Matthew 22, Jesus would say these words. These are the, the two greatest commandments. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And as he's wrapping up his portion of his earthly ministry, he looks at a bunch of dudes in somewhere between John 13 and John 15 and says this same thing several times, that you guys who are followers of mine ought to love one another as I have loved you. By this would all men know you are my disciples. Love this way. I no longer call you servants, I call you friends, he says. It's deeper than just being told what to do. This is a relational interaction. We're going to covenant together to get something done for the glory of God. My father would be honored. And would you just come along with me? Jesus would take a cup, sitting at a table, all about this same time, and he would tell his people, we did this a couple weeks ago, listen, this cup represents the blood, my blood shed for you, the blood of the new covenant. Take and drink. It's that important. Starting today, we are embarking on a time of prayer and fasting. Why? So we can play by these rules I just laid out for you. That we might know the heart of God. That we might know who, who those are supposed to be laboring among us. Why would we? Why would we because we, we've got to be sharp about this. I've, I, I've been doing some, some, some training with some other pastors. I've told you guys this a couple weeks ago, I think. Or they encouraged me last week. Listen, every, I've been trying to encourage every leader who's a small group leader, who's a, who's a, a team leader, that there's got to be a care person on your team. What does that mean? That means all of us as leaders can't handle every problem coming and going at us. 
They were teaching us this thing that every every team on your in your church, every small, every small, you know, every your church is broken down into smaller units. Every every one of those, whether it's a service ministry like worship, whether it's children's ministry, whether it's small group discipleship ministry, every one of those small units ought to have somebody other than a leader who's a helpful care person who makes sure people know what's going on and, and can get prayer, who makes sure that 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 that, that visits are made or phone calls or text messages are sent. Just to make sure everybody stays on the same page and keeps going. And you know what? If we're going to do that, we need, we need for some of you to be willingly to stand up and, 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 and volunteer. And when a, when a leader asks you if you can help in that capacity, I'll go, well, you know, I'm kind of, I've got my own thing going on. Because we got to have life on life. We got to do what God's called us to do. We got to be who God called us to be. It starts with prayer and fasting. It starts with finance. What would we do financial discipleship? The last two passages of scripture I read to you, Nehemiah chapter 9 and 10. Actually, there's, there's this idea of overabundant generosity and prioritizing the things of God where resources concerned. And it's the one thing we as Americans constantly have trouble with. We are in debt up to our eyeballs. We don't know how to legislate money well. We don't know how to legislate time well. And I found one thing. Once we get our money in check, we don't have to work a lot over time. Then our family doesn't suffer. Then, 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 then we're not stressed out and angry every time we turn around that something else happened. And so why would we do that? Because it's a very practical way to take the Bible and make it real to life. Not to take things away from life, not to steal people's money. You know why? Because I recognize the pressure you're under. I recognize that financially things keep beating up on you, and we're trying to help you know what the Bible says about things so you, keep, you don't keep falling in that same ditch. And right now you're thinking, taxes are coming, things are going on, so why not take advantage of the moment where, while you're all thinking about that and say, hey, what does the Bible say about how I take care of what, I, what, what God's entrusted to me? For eight weeks, we'll do that. Very biblically, very lovingly. If you're not a part of a group yet, you need to be. Call the church office this week. Sign up on a thing online. We'll make sure a, a, a leader gets in touch with you and make sure that fits your, your time slot. Okay? Best as we can. Wow. 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 We start today, prayer and fasting. Resources are there in the table in the cafe. So are the bylaws and the covenant. If you haven't gotten that... You, you need to grab a hold of those and read through those. We want to be good at what we're doing. We want you all to know what we're, what we're navigating through, what we're working on, what's, what we're responsible for as leaders in the whole nine yards. We want you all on the curve, all figuring it out, all praying alongside of us. Now, I think we're down a couple of dudes. January 29th, we'll end what we call elder affirmation process. Okay? Myself... Derek, would you stand up real quick? My dad, right there. I don't see Todd. Greg's in youth ministry. Am I forgetting someone? Huh? That's it. <laughs> we feel... I, reluctance at times for our own abilities and strengths. We feel like somebody's got to help lead. We want affirmation from you guys, whether we are that or not. So for the next two weeks, you'll have a chance to look at the qualifications in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1. There are things that are in the, the bylaws and say either they're qualified or they're not. If you find evidence that we are not, we want to know. You'll send an email to elderaffirm at churchtea.org by January 29th, or you'll make a phone call. Either talk to Nancy Carter 
or leave a message for Nancy Carter, and she will get back to you about that. We'll spend the week of January 29th investigating those things, and hopefully on February 5th, we'll have what we call Affirmation Sunday. We'll affirm our covenant one with the other, and we'll affirm the leadership God's entrusted to help this thing push forward. And we'll have a meal, I hear. <laughs> Get the rest of you coming on the boat after we talk about all this, this stuff. I heard that we have somebody in our midst who wants to smoke meat all day that day. I thought I'd get more of a rise out of that. And we'll eat a meal together and just turn in our, our covenants and all that stuff and say, Jesus, we're walking together. We're going to run this race. We're going to be the church you want us to be. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna follow this thing out like the Bible says to follow it out. This is my U version, by the way. That's what's going to happen. But we're not going to start prayer and fasting without actually giving you guys a chance to pray with us. And so what we started kind of with the, the praying in Babylon series, we're going to embark upon today. We're going, to get, we're, going to, we're going to do some prompts on the screen. We're going to pray through these verses we just read from the Bible. We're going to ask God to do the same kind of thing here at Church Triumphant. All right? So I want you to do, I want you to get in a, in a posture of prayer, whatever that means for you. So for some of you, it would be a good chance for you guys as families. You haven't prayed together all week. It'd be a good time to pray together. Husbands, wives, dads, kids, whatever. Moms, kids, neighbors, grab a hand. If you don't know Jesus, can I tell you something to you? Can I say something to you? He desperately wants you in his circle. He wanted you so badly in his circle, he died to make a space for you at the circle, in the circle. And it doesn't matter how bad you've been, doesn't matter how messed you, how you messed up. If you've been away from Christ, can I tell you something to this? The Bible tells us in the book of in, 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 in the, 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 the book of the prophets uh, back in the, in the Old Testament that he's even married to a backslider, somebody who just got off track. And so today he says his mercy's new every morning and his, his love, his faithful love endures forever. And so for you today, there's a spot for you yet today at his table in this family. And we would just welcome you along to walk with us. Not because you're perfect or quite the opposite, because all the rest of us are kind of messed up at times too. We want you. And so as we're praying, if you just merely say things like this, Jesus, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The Bible tells us in Romans, Romans 10, this, if we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that he raised himself from the dead, we shall be saved. All who call on the Lord shall be saved. And so today, we can start a new journey. We can keep walking together. Isn't that awesome? Today. What well, yesterday, Aaron? No matter what happened yesterday. His mercy's new today. Well, three weeks ago. Three weeks ago doesn't matter. His life, faithful love endures forever. Well, I did this. Yeah, you probably did. I probably did too at times. But in the moment where I, I humble myself and I, I acknowledge that before him and I say, Jesus, I want to walk more close to you, he meets me there. And we walk together, and I need some of you speaking into my life, and you need some, you, some of you need me speaking into your life, and we need speaking to the lives of one another, so we keep growing and growing together. Are you with me? Let me pull up something here so I can follow along. Whatever, whatever it takes for you to get in the process of prayer. If you need to stand, if you need to walk, do whatever. There'll be things on the screen. We're going to pray together before we leave. We're going to have some other leaders coming and help us pray through this, this passage of Scripture. Matthew 28. Remember this. Prayer is not a spectator sport. It's something we have to engage. My praying for you doesn't matter all that much if you're not engaged in it. My praying, I can't pray for you. I can pray for you if you have need, but I'm saying 
And far as developing your relationship with Jesus, my praying for you, you've got to engage that. You've got to be active in that. All right? So Jesus can hear every voice in this room all at the same time. Right now, he's keeping track of all 7 billion human beings. Every word they're, they're saying, every thought they're thinking, everything, every activity they're participating in, he's got them all figured out right now. Right now, he understands all of that. And so he can take the few hundred people that we have in this church, he can take them, hear every voice all the same, and, and take care of their prayer life. And we're going to pray according to the word, so we don't have to worry about how each other's praying or doing whatever. We're going to just let the, let the word of God speak to us. We're going to pray through it. How's that sound? All right, let's do it. Matthew 20, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus, we rejoice right now, God, in knowing you have all authority and God, we rejoice in knowing that you're ever present. God, let, us, let, let these two thoughts, Jesus, just compel us of your greatness and your faithfulness and your mercy. God, we come together today, God, because you are who you are. God, in spite of who we are. And so, God, we, we come knowing you are the great one. You're the holy one. You're the almighty. You are the one who was from the beginning. You're the one who will be standing at the end. And, Lord Jesus, you've called us to yourself. And so, God, help us to, 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 to live in the light of your authority so we can carry out your commission. God, we ask for that. God, let, let, let the idea that you have all authority, not just some authority, all authority, compel us. God, let, let that thought be in us day in and day out that, Lord Jesus, you are the one who rules and reigns. You're the one who's high above and not beneath. And God, you've called us to walk with you. You've called us to be an example of your light and your goodness. God, empower us to conduct the business of life as if we know you're always with us. God, we ask for that right now. God, every person that, that, that calls themselves a part of Church Triumphant, God, let them be empowered by your spirit to conduct the business of life like you want them to. God, not giving in to things, not giving, giving up their lives, not giving up their hope, not giving up their strength, but God, living in the power that you provide. You tell us, God, if you set us free, we're free indeed. You tell us, God, that you'll be with us wherever we go, that you have all power and all strength. And so, God, today, for the people of Church Triumphant, let us walk this thing out. Let us walk this thing out, God, like you want us to. God, let us glory in your grace and your mercy. God, we trust you and we bless you and we honor you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, Father. Yes, Jesus. Acts 2.42, and all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and in prayer. Father, we just thank you right now, God. We thank you, God, for, for the roadmap of life, God. We thank you, Lord, that you've given your word, God, and, and that your word, not only, not only that you've given it, but you, God, you continually uh, give us grace and draw us near by your word, God, and continue to uh, reveal the things in us, God, that you would, you would like to, to do and change, God, and, and, and the things, God, that even that you're glad about that you see in us, Father. We thank you for, for all of that, Lord, and, and we just pray, Father, right now, God, for, uh, for your spirit, God, just to, just to empower us, God, with, with a devotion, God, that the things that, that tend to capture our hearts and our minds, Lord, as, as we walk through this life imperfectly, God, we're, we're just thankful for your grace and, and that, Jesus, that you would just, God, pour out your Holy Spirit, God, on this place, God, and, and help us to be uh, more devoted, God, to, to you, God, and, and the things that you've outlined and, and given us in your word, Father. We thank you for that.
God, we pray, God, for a, a deeper hunger and a thirst, God. Uh, just listening this, this week, God, to another pastor speak about as the deer pants for the water, God. Let that be true and said of, of the people, God, of not just in church triumphant, God, but in the body of Christ, God, that, that, that our souls and our, and our hearts and our lives would just reflect that, God, that we're just panting and, 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 and needing more and more and more of you, God. Father, we just pray, God, for a, a deeper desire or, or a connection to others. Father, help us, God, in our in our own inabilities to love God again supernaturally, God, by your your Holy Spirit, God, empower us to do that, Father. And, and it, Lord, your your word said that, God, that that by our our love for one another, God, that they people would see you, Father. So I just pray, God, that that's what would be on our hearts and minds, God, as you just continually draw us near to yourself, Lord, and and give us the the ability and the wisdom and the and um help us, God, to develop strategies, God, that that uh, allow for time for that, God, in our busy and our hectic schedules. Jesus, we just pray, Father, that you would just divinely intervene on that and, and just help us, God, in your name, Jesus. Acts chapter 2, verse 43 through 45. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Father, we thank you that where you're at work, awesome and supernatural things occur. Lord, I thank you that it's no different than in the, the days of the books, book of Acts. That, Lord, wherever believers come together, you're a supernatural God. You're awesome. You're powerful. You have more than enough love, glory, and, and ability to meet every single need. We thank you, Lord, that you show up supernaturally in our lives, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to fear that there's never an answer that can't be found from your power, from your presence, from your goodness, Lord. Father God, we pray that miracles will be done in this house and in our families, Lord. We pray the miracle of your revelation of who you are and your presence would be um, magnified to us. We pray for an awareness, Lord, that you are here, that you are with us, Lord, that you're a healer of diseases, Lord, that you're a giver of whatever we have need of. Lord, you're a provider of protection. Father, you're, you're the one who um, puts together broken hearts. Father, you own the cattle on a thousand hills and every provision is yours. We pray that miraculous things would be done in this house, Lord, and that we have an awareness of that. We see it with our own eyes, Lord. All too often, Lord, we forget about who you are and we think it's just a story in a book versus something that's real to us. We want to see your power here, Lord. We want to see you glorified, not so we can say we saw a miracle, but so that we could see you glorifying your name in the midst of us, that you would be just as real to us as you already are. Lord, you are real to us. You are an amazing God, always involved in every detail of our life, Lord. Help us to see it come to pass with our own eyes, Lord. In Jesus' name. Father, we pray that we would have the desire to make more space in this church, Lord. Father, just like in the book of Acts, they met together because they were growing in your love and your power. 
Father, I pray if that's not our heart, that, that, that in this day, in this hour, that it would change, Lord. Give us your love, Lord, for people. Father, we can't do it in our own strength. Give us a generous heart that wants to see the same type of deliverance that we received come to all of those around us, Lord. Lord, that's astounding, those charts that Aaron showed, that how many don't know you or don't claim to know you, Lord. That's unacceptable. That's our, that's our purpose. That's why we're here. Lord, help us to have a broken heart for those people as we should have. Lord, help us, our heart to be broken like your heart is broken. And help us to make the time and the, and the, the gift offering that we need to give, Lord, that will help others come into your kingdom, Lord. Give us a supernatural desire to love people like you love people. And Father, I pray that we would have a faith-filled generosity. Father, let our giving be driven from love, not out of obligation or anything that's contrived, just simply as a desire to give back what we've already received, what we've already freely received. Help us to give it to others that they may know you in love and in power. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Acts 2, 46 through 47. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were saved. God has great power. God, you have the great power, Father God, and you want to share that with us, Father God, that we can do the things that you want us to do, Father. The Lord God will be like one, Father God. We won't be uh, just all going in our separate directions, Father God, but our minds and our hearts and our thoughts, Father God, will be just the one direction, Father God, to do that, Lord. And Father God, you'll create in us a generous heart, Father God, that we can give out beyond that, Father God, and that we'll be fruitful, Lord, and our, we will multiply in that, Lord God. And I thank you, Father, for that. Ask you, Lord, to give us, Father, a heart of praise, Lord God, that we can praise you, Father God, through everything, Lord. When things are good, they're good, Father God. We praise you in that. But then when things start to go bad, maybe we just don't praise you so much, Father God. I pray, Lord, that you'll keep that in us, our hearts, Father, that we can do that, Lord, and be everything that you want us to be in that, Father. I thank you, God, for that, Father. And Father God, I pray, Lord God, that you will help the ones who are saved, Father God, to want to be a part of the body, Father God, that they will come in, Father God, and we, Lord God, will accept them wholly in, Father God, without any fear, without any contradiction, Father. The Lord God will just walk, Father God, where you want us to walk, Father God, and that they save, Father God, will come to know you, Lord God, and come to know, Lord God, that they can depend on you, Father God, through everything that they go through each day, Lord God. I thank you, Father, and I praise you, Lord, because you are worthy, Father, of all that, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you have made us. You are making us better. You're helping us to grow more. Give us, Lord God, everything we need in you, Lord. And I give you praise for that now in your name, Father, we pray. Amen. Listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org.